Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Today we have the privilege, I have to warn you though, if any of you guys watch college football, there was a very important game yesterday, and it happens every year. It's Michigan versus Ohio State. The Telfers, massive Michigan fans, Dave is from Ohio. Let's just say the whole state of Ohio also needs him interceding in prayer because of that game yesterday as well. So come welcome Dave as he comes. How's that for an introduction? Come, come and bring the word. And I know we wanted to have a healing testimony each week. And so, Dave, I'm going to ask you to share that testimony about Drake that you uh, talked oh, to yeah. us about as well, too, if you don't mind. That's right. Is this, all right, we're on. Um, yeah, I can't believe you brought that game up right before I get up here. That was like... Wow, that was crazy. Okay, I love you so much. That's awesome. Um, let's just start. First, I want to just, I know most of you know me, but I want to introduce my family, my wife, my beautiful wife right here, um, Jenna. And we have four boys, one way back there. If you see a boy who needs a haircut, he's probably mine, right back there. Derek right here, um, Drake, and our daughter Olivia's in the back. David's not here right now. I love my family. also want to thank Romy and Clayton. You all are incredible. Incredible. I can't say enough. So um, let's pray. Lord Jesus, 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 Lord, let the fog lift. Lord, clear the air. Lord, let this be clear clear, clear. Let this word not have any confusion, Lord. Make it simple, Lord. Make it easy to understand, Lord. There is a lot going on in this world. There is a lot of deception. There is a lot happening, Lord, and I just want this to be your words, crystal clear, crystal clear, Lord, in your power, Lord, in your power, your words, your message, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Just because you asked Clayton to healing testimonies. I had, I've been healed of cancer. I was healed of cancer um, in 2012. I got the diagnosis that I had a, uh, a type of a, a blood cancer. It was a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was miraculously healed from that. It was a documented medical miracle. Um, and I've actually gone through the work to gather up all of those, all of those uh, medical papers to actually to actually talk more, to talk more about it in a better way, um, because that was a very serious thing. I've also been healed. I was sitting in church one time in the back of the room. It was 2008, uh, so it would have been b- before cancer, and I was by myself. I went. I used to go to church on Sunday nights. I was sitting way in the back, and I had a broken ankle. I'd actually had had uh, X-rays taken. And I was scheduled to go get surgery, and I was in physical therapy getting ready to do surgery. I was in active duty at the time. And I was sitting in the back right where about Razzie is and this church, and all of a sudden my, my leg felt like it was on fire. It was like somebody put it inside of a furnace, and I had no reference for what that meant. So I thought that my ankle was going downhill. I thought, I have to go to the emergency room. It's bad. It's not going to make it. And I stood up, and I went, 
what the flip? It was, it was fixed. And I, and I had no, and it was, it happened during church news. It wasn't even anything going on. It was just church news. And I, whew, that was amazing. Um, but then, uh, you know, we pray for our kids. You know, we always want to pray for our kids. And th- Thanksgiving, we had all the family was in the house. And they got a little rough at night. And one of our boys just crushed Drake on accident. And his foot swelled up like that big. And it was, it was pretty bad, right, honey? It was pretty bad. And so, and I got mad, right? Because you're the dad. You don't want people to get hurt in your house. And so I'm just like, oh, I'm feeling like walking around. And so I went up to my room at that night. And I, I took communion. And I said, I forgive whatever. And I'm sorry. And I just want Drake to be healed. So I went in his room. And it was, I couldn't really even touch it because he was in so much pain. And uh, woke up like it never happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it never happened in the morning. He was walking around and his foot was, it looked like something had popped out of it right here. But I was just, uh, but God heals. All right, so um, this word is, it is so... I'm just going to jump in. I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to start with a story. So I was active duty military for 26 years. Uh, I joined. I was on a submarine first. And then I transitioned to this field called explosive ordnance disposal. And it was where you work on like mines and underwater mines and improvised explosive devices. All this really cool stuff. But one of the things that you get to do in my community is you get, I was in the Navy, but we got to embed with special forces, with SEALs, with all these different people. And I was in Germany in 1998, uh, a fairly new, call it EOD technician, and I was embedded or attached to a Army special force unit in Germany. And this was, it was in 1998, so it was t- t- 24 years ago, about this time actually. It, was, it could have even been this week. It was like that kind of a time. It was one month before I proposed to my wife. My wife was stationed in Italy, and she came up that Christmas, and I proposed to her. So this was, we were young. I hadn't, there hadn't been the combat yet. And in fact, this is really important to the story, is that there, we hadn't had combat yet. We, this was a kind of a time of peace. And the only people who had been to combat were either an, a, an army ranger who had went to Panama, and that would have been 10 years before that, or it was a Delta Force or Army guy or Special Force guy that went to some SEALs that went to Somalia. I don't even remember Somalia to Black Hawk Down. Those were the two groups of combat veterans. And at that time, uh, they said it was six years before was Somalia, 10 years before was Panama. So those guys were senior people. They were senior enlisted. Most of them were senior enlisted people, and there wasn't that many of them. So this, this morning, I'm in training in Germany. And I'm, uh, like I said, young guy, I've never been in combat. I've been on a submarine stuff, but never real combat. And I had been in the Navy for eight years, so I wasn't brand new. But after this training event, this sergeant, who was a former Delta Force guy in Somalia, when this guy talked, you shut up and listen, carried a, his voice carried a lot of weight. And he, he uh, got us together, and he said, hey, and look, I don't remember a lot of things that, like these little huddles and things like that. It's not something that you just log forever. It's just kind of a thing that happens every training. But you know, you, you do training. 
But he stood up, he said something that I never forgot. He said, I don't know how you're going to react in combat by the performance of your training. He's like, I won't I will know. And that is not mainstream military language, right? And I'm sitting here going, what did he just say? Did he just say that? Like, he won't know what we do based on training? And I just, it zed me out. It just, I had no reference for what this guy was saying. But I, he, he had all the credentials. I had zero. And so I had to say, okay. I, I know his name. I've ran into him through the years. I said, okay. Well, two years later, I am in Afghanistan. And suddenly, I'm in combat, and things come out of me that I didn't put there. Things come out of other people that I know they didn't put there. And the, and the people that you thought would be amazing in combat don't last long. And the people that you never even th- thought of, they're doing amazing. And then the status quo that had been going on for so many years, just combat upended all of it upended all of it and then all of a sudden you have all this stuff that is just new and and Frankie's like yeah I know I know there's a couple in here that have been through this um Frankie promised my wife and I Clayton Romy um Buck and Ashley and this has been this is they're very well understand this but the point is is that there was a mystery that he that he laid out and he didn't understand it he said I don't know how to, how to, what the mystery is. I don't know why we can't do training and then that'll tell me what's going to happen in combat. He said, I'm just telling you guys that that isn't a one for one. He just said, and so I said, okay. And then for several years, the difference between his combat experience and then the other combat experience that we all have accrued was that he went once and came back. After 9-11, 20 years of sustained this, this combat. And this is all going to tie together. I'm praying in Jesus' name that ties together. And so over time, people started picking up on this. And they started, they started to realize, why is it that we can't do that? Why is he right? Why can't we say, we did training. We spent all this money on training. Why doesn't it look the way that we want it to in combat? And there's people that have put a lot of money into this. They've built algorithms to try to solve this mystery. It is an actual legitimate mystery in the military. How do we screen and select and train and deploy the combat forces that we want? It is a mystery, right? But I'm going to talk about this mystery today. I want to talk about this mystery today. So I retired from the military in 2016. And honestly, I had gone to combat and I had, I had understood the spiritual aspects of that, right? Like I said, with Clayton and the people that, that you work with, and, and you understand it, but you just never really understood it. And then in June 2020, as I'm sitting in my home office on lockdown, I'm just doing my thing, you know, and uh, the spirit interrupts me. And he basically reads to me Ephesians 6.12. And it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So what this verse does is it solves that mystery, right? This mystery of why doesn't, why can't I train somebody to be combat effective with physical range training? Why can't I solve that with money? Why can't I solve that with time? Without, the, the mystery is here, right? The mystery is that there's a spiritual aspect to this and the physical is, comes out of the spiritual. So the, the um, we fight a surrogate. Do you see what I'm saying? Al-Qaeda is a surrogate. China is a surrogate. Russia is a surrogate. It's all surrogate warfare. It's all, and what I mean by surrogate warfare is, if I want to appear not to be your enemy, I pay a surrogate to go and fight you. And then I tie you up in this battle while I get to stand over here. (laughs) And I got you and them. I got you both. So what happens? Lord, I don't where we go with this. All right. All right. So So I'm going to I'm going to jump around. I might not get past this page right here. What time is it? Okay. 11:30. Okay. I'm going to read Matthew 24 verse 4. Matthew 24, verse 4. I'm going to read just, as I read, um, I say just listen, just let it sit in. Is that Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Okay, so you say, Dave, what are your war stories have anything to do with this? You see that I was, I was fighting, many people here were fighting in, in these wars, right, that are in, that Jesus talked about. And, but there has been a march towards deception, right? So the deception here is prophetic. Warfare is all about deception, and, and if you look at the stages and phases of, of how warfare has progressed. How many times did I read deceive in those scriptures, right? It's 
about deception. It's about false prophets. It's about lies. It's about deceiving people. All right, so I'm going to jump off a little bit (laughs) into this thing that you've probably heard in in the news called fifth generation warfare. Have you ever heard, have anybody heard this term yet? Fifth generation warfare? So fifth generation warfare is, is the, I'm going to read the definition of fifth generation warfare. Fifth Fifth generation warfare is about information and perception and it's primarily non-kinetic, which means it's primarily not bullets and guns and airplanes and stuff. All right, so, Lord help me. So what, what we're seeing is, is the, is the, the surrogates are getting harder to figure out. Right? So the deception isn't just in Afghanistan. The deception's in our school. It's in our government. There's deception everywhere. Right? And this is, the, this is the march, the trend. If you look at the trend, the trend is going this way. Right? So, you know, when I went to fight these kinetic wars, I had to realize there was a mystery between a spiritual readiness and a physical readiness to deal with that combat, to deal with that war. Today, there is a, as much a spiritual readiness as ever that we need to be able to deal with the deception that we see all across the world today. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, we're all still on the bus. All right, so the, the point of that whole story was that <laughs> You, you can't rely on your physical nuts and bolts training to go and fight in this war that we are in today. It's, it just won't work. Because we are more spiritual now than ever. We are more non-kinetic than ever. And, and I'm hoping that this ties up some things. Because you can get lost in the sauce if you try to sort out what's going on. There's so much deception. So... A long time ago in Psalm 119, somebody wrote Psalm 119. I've heard it was either Ezra or David. Is that right? Ezra or David wrote Psalm 119. It's an epic psalm. In Psalm 119, verse 133, this very wise person said, Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Let no iniquity get dominion over me. So warfare is about dominion. Warfare is about, I am going to take dominion over you, or you are trying to take dominion over me. So the spiritual war that we are in, it's about dominion. It's about power. It's about control, right? It's about all the things that tyrants and things that they want. But we cannot go into that warfare if we don't, if we have, if we have, if sin has dominion over us. Okay, so we're getting into the real, the real center of this is that there is a work that we have to do to make sure that sin doesn't have dominion over us, lest we become a surrogate ourselves. 
Do you see what I'm saying? The enemy, if he has dominion over us, and we're running around trying to do good, but yet we are under the dominion of sin, you're a surrogate. So, what am I going to talk about next? All right. I'm going to go to Luke 6. Luke 6, 39-42. Luke 6, 39-42. This is Jesus again. This is Jesus again. I good, honey? All right. All right. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye And then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, I'm hoping what this verse does is it it shows you that there is a process after salvation where we have to become purified. Right? So, in order for us to take dominion and be who we are intended to be, who Jesus intends us to be, is there, is there, there is a continued work in us to take dominion over the sin that we are absolutely in, constantly washed up in. And it's this dominion, I'm sorry here. This is doing this. But that's the, that's the, um, the thing that will make us strong. So I want to go back to Matthew 24. I want to read something at the end of that. It's very important. As it says, the love, and this is in verse 12, it says, the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So you say, like, how can I keep my love hot? How do I keep that on fire? How do I get this love from going cold and me losing and me just fading away? It comes down to sanctification. It comes down to this purification, and it's really a strengthening. So here I'm going to read Romans 6, 15 to 23. I'm reading a lot. I know um, Romans 6, 15 to 23, and this is NIV that I'm actually reading off of. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are the slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. 
I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and they have become slaves from God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our, is, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we practice sin, we bring forth the fruit of sin, which is absolutely going to lead to our destruction. When we practice righteousness and obedience to God, being here, reading the scripture, obeying the scripture, listening to that being taught, we are bringing forth the fruit of life, the fruit of the Spirit. And that whole process is sanctification, and that leads to our holiness. Our holiness is extremely important in these days. Look, I I just have to say this. Your holiness is uh, is not a small thing today. It's not a little thing. Like, you're not going to go out into that very deceptive environment if you aren't committed to holiness. It's not going to work for you. You're going to end up being a surrogate. You're going to end up washed up. And you're going to, I'm sorry, but it will not work. Look, I've had combat experience in the physical world. I've seen it over and over and over again. And that is not anything compared to what we have today. All right, I'm going to read in more scripture. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. We're on a roll. I'm going to keep reading this. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So look, our reliance on Christ makes us strong. Christ's strength in our lives perfects our weakness from any other sort of strength. So I can't rely on other strength. I have to rely on Christ's strength. And this is, this is the purity of our reliance. It's the purity of our trust in God that I'm not trying to make myself strong through other means, other methods, other places, you can call it new age. You can call it just discipline. You can call it all these other things. But it's, it's, that's not going to stand up to what you are going to face. It's not going to make it through. It's, it's not, it's not going to get through you through that. You're going to have to say, sure, I'm weak. But Christ, I rely on him. He is my power. He is my strength. That's my holiness in God that makes me strong. 
All right, so back, back to the important part here. Is that, what, do, what does this strength, I got a big head and little ears. That's my problem right now. I got a big head and little ears. My wife's like, I know, you got a big head and little ears. You got little ears, big head. All right. Um, so you say, what, what is my strength for? You know, what am I using my strength for? If I'm strong, if I'm holy and I'm strong, like what, what's the point? What's the point of my strength in that, in that world out there? So I'm going to read more. I'm going to read Mark 12, verse starting at 30. Okay, you might recognize this. This is the most important commandment. The most important commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So we use our strength to love. Our obedience to Christ, Scripture, that sanctification, it removes that impurity so that we can increase the strength of Christ in us. And this strengthens us for our greatest command. It's all tied together. right? So we're saved. We go through this process of sanctification and all of that helps us to even obey him more and be more of what he's calling us to be. So he's calling us out of sin. He's calling us into purity. He's calling us into holiness. And if there's anyone in here, we'll stop now. If you believe that you are not worthy or not called to be holy, let's deal with that right now. Right? You are called to be holy you are brought in he knew you he knew you he called you he picked you out he knew what you did he knew what you were going to do he knew all that stuff he picked you you're here you're you are intended to be holy and you can tie it all back to the purpose he called you to the purpose he's destined you to it's that you would be holy that you would be free from sin all those impurities that hold you back, all the things that try to take dominion over you, your place is to be holy. It's not arrogant to say that. It's not arrogant to say I'm a son of God. It's not arrogant to say I'm a daughter of God. I'm not on some humility run to say, oh, I'm not supposed to be holy. Oh, I'm not that son of God. I'm not that. I'm not. No, that's nonsense. You are absolutely called and intended to be holy because that is where your strength is well god christ intends you to be strong he intends you to be strong all right i'm going to go to ephesians 4 10 and nail that down I'm going to read it off here. I'm in the NIV. So that there is a, uh, a couple of identities that we have. And I don't mean to be like we have multiple identities, but there's a, in the kingdom, we are 
sons and daughters, right? So when we, when we accept Christ, we are brought back into God's family, and we are sons and daughters. But there's a government in the kingdom. In the government, the government views us as saints, right? So, so he would look at me, yeah, you're a son, but you're a, Brent, you're a son, but you're a saint. That's your governmental authority, is that you are loved as a son, and you're a saint in the kingdom of our government. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense to everybody? And so what Ephesians 4.10 does, I'm going to read it. It's he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that fullness is our holiness. That fullness that we go into in the destiny of what this body of Christ is called to be is very much connected to the strength we have in Christ through our holiness, through our commitment to be sanctified and purified of sin. And that's where we are strong. And that's where, in the days that we are in, that is precisely where Jesus needs us to be today. That's where he needs us to be. He needs us to be committed to that. He needs us to be strengthening ourselves. He needs us to be purified. He needs us to be holy be saints, be who we are called to be, be who we are in here. That is our destiny. That, that is where he's bringing us into. So I'm running through this, but I will tell a story. Um, hit me like a freight train on Thanksgiving morning. I woke up, everybody was going for runs and walks, and uh, I get up super early. Everybody in our house was asleep. So I put my headphones on, and I started to walk around my neighborhood. <laughs> and Spirit said, listen to Proverbs 31. I said, all right, listen to Proverbs 31. So I got this Dwell app. I love this Dwell app. My phone doesn't like it. I have to keep rebooting it, but, but um, I love it. So I listen to Proverbs 31, and all of a sudden, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you've got to be kidding me. So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to move into a little bit of a ministry time. And I'm just going to read you this proverb. I'm going to read from the Passion, the Passion Translation. So um, I hate to be asking people to do stuff, but if anybody wants in the ministry team wants to play something in the background, it's fine with me. You're welcome to do that. Otherwise, I'm going to read this Proverbs. And um, so as I read this, I want you to think about your destiny. I want you to think about the bigger picture. I want you to think about the time that we're in and who, who Christ is in this time and who you are in this time. And I just want you to 
I promise you I'm going to read you the authentic scripture, the Passion Translation. It's a translation, obviously. But I'm just going to read this to you. And as I read it to you, I just want to let it wash over you. It's like a little prophetic ministry time. I just want to let you listen to it. I want you to let it wash over you. I want you to understand. I just want the Lord, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is going to talk to you and show you things as I read this. Who could, this is uh, starting at verse 10. Who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her. For she brings him the rich spoil. Of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. She delights in the work of her hands. She gives out revelation truth to feed others. She is like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. Even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a field and takes it as her own. She labors there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power in all her works. She tastes and experiences a better substance and her shining light will not be extinguished. No matter how dark the night, she stretches out her hands to help the needy and she lays hold of the wheels of government. She is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor for she always reaches out her hands to those in need. She is not afraid of tribulation, for all her household is covered in the dual garments of righteousness and grace. Her clothing is beautifully knit together, a purple gown of exquisite linen. Her husband is famous and admired by all, sitting as the venerable judge of his people. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instruction pours from her lips. She watches over the ways of her household and meets every need they have. Her sons and daughters... Her sons and daughters arise in one accord and extol her virtues. And her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms. 
There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended far above them all. Charm can be misleading, and beauty is vain and so quickly fades, but this virtuous woman lives in the wonder, awe, and fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. So go ahead and give her the credit that is due, for she has become a radiant woman, and all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. Who is that woman? That's a prophecy. That's a prophecy. Do you know what that means? It's not a history book. That's not from some time before Christ. It's not from Acts. That's a prophecy. So what that means is that that's, that's our destiny. So what that means is that more clearly than anyone I know could explain it is that that is who we are. So let's not talk different than that. not think different than that let's not be okay with being weak or impure the church is going through a lot but, but this is our destiny this is this is the place that we're being called to This is important for us now because we, we are a baby right now. We're a baby church. But what, what was started in us is very important. It's very important. And, and I won't get into all the different things that all of us have seen about our church, but 
it's very important that we that we commit to that sanctification and then commit to let ourselves be pure and commit to becoming the bride of Christ. Commit to that. And that everything else will work out. It, it will work out. We won't need to understand all the deception, but people will see the truth in us. Is that we might not be able to explain all the lies. We may not be able to explain all the stuff that's going on, but we will know the truth. And we will be able to recognize the truth. We will be a pillar. We will be salt. We will be light. That is our destiny. Let me give you some time back today. <laughs> Almost okay. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for your strength. Thankful for your, thank you for your patience with us to make us clean, to clean out our impurities, Lord, to make us salt and light. Lord, and I commit to that process with you. I commit to repent. I commit to come back. I commit to, to put my strength in you and lay aside anything else. I'll be glad to be weak to have your strength. Lord, we love you and we affirm that you have called us into your destiny and that we affirm that we will walk in that destiny, Lord. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.